when things don't quite go your way or the way you were expecting, what do you do? How do you handle that in a way that makes everything better instead of worse? And in particular, how do you avoid blaming, both blaming other people and blaming yourself and find a more appropriate way to get down to who was responsible for whatever happened. That's what we're going to talk about today. My goal is every week to bring you the best possible information on how to have an amazing relationship with yourself and with the important people in your life, and especially with your significant other. Uh, so if you're finding the show to be helpful for you, please consider a donation to ensure that we can continue. To choose something that feels right for you, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And this week, I want to thank Jordan, Lita, Denise, Kent, Abe, Sarah, Jocelyn, Renee, and Carol. Thank you all so much for your generous support and ensuring that we can thrive here on Relationship Alive. Along with your donations, which are super helpful, I also love hearing from you and getting feedback on how Relationship Alive is impacting your life. I just read an awesome review of the podcast written by Scarf Girl on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and I also have been getting great feedback on the survey. Um, there is a space or two on the survey where you can tell me what you're struggling with and what has had a huge impact on you from uh, the Relationship Alive podcast. If you haven't had a chance to fill out the survey yet, you can visit neilsatin.com slash survey. Or you can text the word wondering, because I'm wondering about you, to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. The survey is anonymous and it really helps me ensure that what I'm doing here works for you. So thanks in advance for taking a moment to fill that out. And if you've already done that, thank you for taking the time. It's only going to take you a couple minutes, by the way. And lastly, two quick free things to help you in your relationship journey. The first is, if you are on Facebook, please come join the Relationship Alive community. Currently, there are more than 2,000 people there who are creating a safe space to talk about relationships, share wisdom from the Relationship Alive podcast, etc. Uh, Relationship Alive community on Facebook. And finally, if you haven't picked it up yet, Download my top three relationship communication secrets guide. It's free. And if you put these three things into practice, it will help you stay connected with your partner, no matter how challenging the thing is that you're talking about. To get the guide, all you do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to download the guide. Okay, that is it. I'm so psyched to be with you here today. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. 
and I'm excited to be here with you, as I was mentioning just a moment ago, because we're going to cover something that is really important, because life doesn't always go the way that we wish it would or the way that we have planned. And there's a balance that happens when things don't go the way we want them to. And that balance is between those things that we're responsible for, things that we could have done to make that situation go better. And then, of course, there are the things that other people are responsible for, the ways that the other people around us contribute or don't contribute to the success of an endeavor. So today we're going to cover how you can show up in a positive way and keep everyone on board even when things kind of go to pieces or at least don't go so well. And my hope is that by the end of this episode, you will have some practical strategies so that you can use the more negative things that come up, like blame. You can use them to your advantage. You can actually use blame, for instance, as a tool for growth. So how do you do that? First, you have to have some awareness. You have to have awareness well, for one, that things haven't gone well, that things haven't gone the way that you've planned. So you need to be able to tune into yourself and discern whether or not you are feeling disappointed or sad or angry or whatever it is to recognize that those feelings are happening within you. Maybe you're scared in a particular moment. You need to know that those feelings are happening so that you can address them in some fashion. Because generally, when you are stuck in a place of being triggered, something we have talked about on this show over and over again, it's really hard to do something proactive or positive. Like we're generally in a very reactive state when we're triggered. So if you can recognize that that's going on for you and do something to handle it, that is priority number one and taking responsibility for yourself in that situation. Now, you may not be able to resolve it all and you may not really be able to resolve everything in what's gone wrong in the moment. This might be the kind of thing that you think about after the fact. And I do recommend that you take time for yourself regularly to think about what is going well in your life. And we've spoken on the show about creating a gratitude or appreciation practice for identifying the things that are going well. But I don't want to I don't want you to live in like blissful denial of things that aren't going so well or ways that you are being disappointed or ways that your expectations aren't being met. That's no fun, right? To just ignore those things as they happen again and again. So today it's time to step into the direction of those quote unquote negative things that aren't going so well and to mine them for the gold that they offer you. So first things first, you when it comes to blame, because blame I think is the operative word for this 
uh, episode. It's blame versus responsibility. Responsibility is a way of showing up to be accountable for whatever has transpired without any shame necessarily uh, clouding your ability to respond. The shame is what paralyzes us. And so whether we are blaming ourselves, which creates a sense of shame, ah, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. You know, that was so stupid. Or why did I do that again? You know, I'm always setting myself up with that person. I'm always making myself vulnerable when I shouldn't those kinds of things, right? Like that's not necessarily a positive kind of self-talk to have. And when you blame others, of course, now how do people typically respond when you blame them? You know, if you had only uh, stopped at that stop sign, that wouldn't have happened. Or if you had only ordered the lobster instead of the eggplant parm, you get what I'm saying. Like, it can be sometimes kind of ridiculous the way that we blame other people. And sometimes it can actually be really um, important in some respects. And that's what we're going to get at today. We're going to get at how you mine your blame for the truth, your blame of yourself and your blame of others, so that you can get to the responsibility that lies underneath the blame. You've probably heard me talk about this again and again on this show that we're always 100% responsible for ourselves and our partners or the other people in our lives are 100% responsible for themselves. Now, if they're a blamey kind of person, then they may always be uh, turning to you to point the finger when uh, pointing the finger at you when things are going wrong. And it's worth paying attention to how many of those kinds of people you have in your life. And ultimately, as you become more and more comfortable with setting boundaries, even while you're able to be vulnerable, because some of what we're going to talk about today requires some vulnerability. But as you become comfortable with setting boundaries, um, you may decide that some of those blamey people just don't belong in your life or they belong on the periphery. But before you go that route, let's give them a chance. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to do that as follows. So take a hypothetical situation, or maybe there's not a hypothetical situation. Perhaps if you take a moment and feel free to push pause on the podcast, take a moment and figure out something that went wrong. Maybe something in the recent past that didn't go quite as you had planned. Okay, do you got it? Do you know what you're thinking of? Great. So the first thing that I want you to do is to do what comes naturally for you. So if you are the kind of person who always blames yourself for things that go wrong, I want you to list all of the ways that you're responsible for what happened, all the ways that it's your fault that that whatever happened happened. Now, this can be easiest to do on paper, or if you like to think out loud like I do, you might pause and just speak out loud, or you might use the, the voice memo function on your phone. I do that a lot. So you can uh, talk to yourself and feel like you're actually talking to someone, right? You're talking to your phone. Um, but I want you to list out all the ways that you that it's your fault what happened. Um, conversely, if you're someone who always blames others, 
thank you for being honest about that for one thing. If it's always someone else's fault or often someone else's fault, then it's good to recognize that that's what you're doing, that you are making it someone else's responsibility, whatever it is. When it comes right down to it, um, since we're talking about being disappointed or our expectations not being met, then what we're really saying is that when we make it someone else's fault, we're giving them the power to make us happy or sad or successful. Um, And I don't know if I want to give other people that much power in my life, and I don't know if you want to either. So we're headed toward an appropriate allocation of responsibility. But the way to get there is through the blame. We are not going to deny the blame. We are not going to circumvent the blame. We're going to go right through it. So I would like you to, if this is your tendency, to list all the ways that whatever happened is someone else's fault. And you can make it as simple or as big as you want. Um, You can, in fact, I encourage you to get as crazy and outlandish with your blame as you can. Um, And partly that's because I think it helps, it can help take the charge off of it when you allow yourself to get a little more ludicrous with your blaming. Um, And it also might give you a sneak peek at some of the resentments or beliefs that you're actually harboring inside of you. Um, And some of those things are really toxic. So it's helpful to shine the light of day on them. And maybe they'll become a little less powerful and they'll... uh, own you a little bit less. So take your time and list out all the ways that you either blame yourself or blame others. And that's step number one. Now, before we go into step number two, I want to take just a moment to acknowledge this week's sponsors. And each of them has a special offer for you. In a complex life, it can be the simple rituals that help keep us sane and anchored. For me, one of the rituals that I enjoy most is making and drinking a cup of tea. And this week's first sponsor specializes in producing high-quality loose-leaf teas to help you live a happier, healthier, more sane lifestyle. Their name is Teamy Blends, And as a special offer to you, they're offering 25% off with no minimum order just for being a Relationship Alive listener. They have teas to help you focus, lose weight, sleep better at night, and detox. Now, I've loved trying the blends that they put together. For one thing, they're delicious, so I didn't even have to sweeten them. And another thing that I love, even though they don't really talk about it, is that the tea is beautiful to watch as it steeps. Now that might sound a little weird, but their tea leaves and herbs are dried. So when you add hot water, they expand and unfurl in a process that I found truly mesmerizing. So for me, that's become part of the ritual. Now I tried their detox tea. I just wanted to see what it would do. Because no matter how healthy you eat, there are toxins and residue that can stay within you, sometimes as much as 10 to 15 pounds, which can lower your energy and your metabolism and make you feel bloated. And, well, I don't know about you, but who wants 10 to 15 pounds of extra stuff inside you? So their detox is a two-step process. One is a tea that you drink every morning, and then there's a different tea that you drink every other night. 
So in my experience, the daytime tea really helps me feel energized and focused. And yeah, there is some caffeine in there. While the nighttime tea helps you relax and sleep better. And it also has some ingredients that, well, um, help you move those toxins through your system. And yes, I think you know what I'm talking about. So all in all, the ritual of tea helps me simply connect with me so that I can bring my best to my relationship with Chloe and to my kids and to you. So as I mentioned, Teamy is offering a special deal for you to give them a try. Just visit teamyblends.com. That's T-E-A-M-I blends.com. And use the coupon code RELATIONSHIP for 25% off of your order. You can try their 30-day detox and experience what it feels like to get rid of toxins or try their other teas that are fine-tuned for the experience that you're looking for. Just make sure that you use the coupon code RELATIONSHIP at Teamy Blends for 25% off. And thank you so much, Teamy, for the beautiful, tasty tea and for sponsoring this week's episode of Relationship Alive. So you may have figured out that along with donations from listeners like you, our sponsorships are one way that we help keep the Relationship Alive podcast going. And we are looking to partner with companies where we feel really aligned with what they offer and where we use their products day in and day out. And our next sponsor is definitely one of those companies. Their name is RX Bar. And RX Bar is a whole food protein bar, which means that their bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. You can pronounce every single thing that's in the ingredients list. There's no gluten, no soy, no dairy, no added sugar, no artificial anything. And they're great for having a quick snack or breakfast on the go, or if you if you miss lunch or if you need extra energy for um, working out or a bike ride or something like that. Um, they're, they're really perfect. And they use egg whites for protein. So it's really easy for your body to absorb and process. Their ingredients are super clean and they are super tasty. Um, we always have probably at least two RX bars wherever we go. Our kids like them. Um, I really can't praise them enough because they're super tasty, super healthy. Um, filling, energizing, you name it. Um, and they have, I think, 11 or 12 different varieties for you to choose from. So RX Bar is offering you 25% off your first order if you visit rxbar.com slash alive and make sure you enter the promo code alive at checkout. That's for 25% off your first order order of rx bar and that's literally spelled rxbar.com slash alive and thank you so much rx bar for your generous support of the relationship alive podcast and now let's get back to the conversation okay so step two is to do almost the same thing except you are going to do the opposite so if you listed all the ways that whatever happened was your fault, 
Now you need to list how everything that happened was someone else's fault. And if you're inclined to blame other people, then now is your opportunity to blame yourself. And I would encourage you to have fun with this part of the exercise. And also, if it's challenging for you to come up with ways that to blame other people or to blame yourself, if it's not what you're used to doing, then I encourage you to ask yourself this question or a variety of, of this question. If whatever happened was something that I was 100% responsible for, what did I do wrong? That would be if you're trying to get at your own blame here, your self-blame. Or conversely, if if this was totally not my bad, if this was 100% someone else's fault, whatever happened, then what did they do? How were other people at fault for what happened? And if you need to come up with a few variations on that theme of question just to jog yourself, that's uh, definitely something that you want to take time doing because you want to mine this for as many different possibilities as you can. And you also want to free yourself of the pattern that you're used to, the pattern of either blaming yourself or the pattern of blaming other people. So take your time and make those lists. Hit pause if you have to. And then once you did, now you have two lists. One thing that you might do is just look over your lists and see if there are any places where, um, for instance, you you think you were blaming other people, but instead you were really blaming yourself. Um, or you think you were blaming yourself, but you kind of worked in something snarky about other people into the way that you blamed yourself. Like... Um, Sure, you know, I was running late um, because my wife hadn't gotten prepared on time. So there's a great example. You you were willing to say that you were willing to take responsibility for running late, but then you still kind of blamed it on your wife because she was getting ready. So those are the kinds of things you want to look out for. And if you find them, you might separate them out. So in that example, you might have, you know, I was running late is the self-blame. And you might have, my wife was getting ready and that caused the problem um, in blaming other people. So, so go through and use that kind of analysis to make sure that you're being really clean in how you assign your blame, right? You want to cleanly assign blame and see how many nuggets of information you've got there. You probably have, if you really let yourself go wild, you probably have some pretty extensive lists. And these lists, like I mentioned before, are a goldmine of information. Uh, you might look through your lists and say, what does this indicate about what are the resentments that I'm holding on to? Uh, either the ways I resent myself or the ways I resent other people. You might ask yourself, what are the beliefs about myself or the beliefs about other people that come through in this list of blame. You might ask yourself, what is true about each of the items in this list? So you can literally go through each item and say, is this true? My wife was still getting ready. Is this true? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You, then you might ask yourself, how do I know that this is true? Can I know with 100% certainty that this 
is true. And you might, if you're familiar with Byron Katie's The Work, uh, then you might recognize those questions. Is this true? And how can I know with 100% certainty that this is true? And hopefully we'll get Katie on the show one of these days to talk more about the work. It's so helpful. So I've given you two steps, and there are two more steps to really feel the power in this process. The first of those follows on what we were just talking about. I want you to go through each of your lists and, again, making sure to keep them separate, the things that you're blaming yourself, the ways that you're blaming yourself and the ways that you're blaming others. And go through, and for the ones where there is a grain of truth, a seed of truth in them, whether it's tiny or big, highlight those, put a little star next to them. And then once you've done that, write a revised version of that thing with what is true about what happened. So in our hypothetical example that we're using, I might say, it's true that I didn't plan enough time to get to where I was going. Or I might even say, it's true that I didn't talk to my wife about how much time she needed to prepare so that we could be on the same page about when we were going. So those are some examples from me. Um, examples you know, of, of other people, you might say, well, it's true that when it was time to go for us to get there on time, my wife was still getting ready. That's just a fact, that, that was true. So as much as possible, you want to separate your stories about what was happening, like, well, so-and-so was just trying to be spiteful or was showing me that they think they're better than me or what, like all of those stories, you want to get rid of those. And as much as possible, you want to just get down to the facts, those little grains of truth about what happened. And so you've, you're distilling your list, your list of all those blamey things. You're distilling them into the actual facts of the matter. So that's the third step. And if you've completed that, it's time to take a big breath, a deep breath, and just recognize that this was huge, what you did. I know it sounds very simple, but... You're getting through the stories about who was to blame, which often includes so many unhelpful feelings, right, about um, what went wrong. You're getting down to the truth of what actually happened as best as possible. And some of those things that seem true, they may still not be true. You may answer, well, I can't know with 100% certainty that that was the truth, but this is my best guess at the truth. And that's important to recognize, too, if you need to put a little mark next to those things that you can't say with 100% certainty are true, but seem true-ish, um, then do that. Designate those things for yourself. Okay. So now we are at the fourth and last step of this powerful transforming the blame process. And this is the step. The step is to be vulnerable. And there are two different ways that you're going to get to be vulnerable. But that also means that there are two different ways that you're going to get to be courageous. And there are two different ways here that you're going to get to do things differently to stand the best chance of experiencing change. And that's why we're going through this whole process, right? We want to change things for the better so that we're not disappointed, so that our expectations aren't unmet. 
So that's why this step is so important. It it doesn't really change much unless you're able to do this final piece. And the p- final piece comes in actually two different pieces. One is the way that you own your own stuff. This is going to be maybe a little more challenging for you if your tendency is to blame other people. And if your tendency is to blame yourself, the challenge here is going to be owning it without being self-deprecating, without um, using any form of emotional manipulation. So you're just going to be owning it, but staying strong in how you own it. And I'm going to talk in just a moment about how you do that. The second step is going to be how you invite the other people involved to the conversation in a way that's most likely to result in them reflecting on what happened and not getting defensive and might also result in them being invested in creating change as well. All right, so those are the two steps. Now let's dig into how you do them. Okay, so how do you own it? And how do you own it effectively? Uh, Now that we've got our list of truths or things that we at least think are mostly true, and we've removed from those things the stories attached to them. See, it's when you have the stories that you are creating blame and shame. But when you just have the facts it takes away a lot of the emotional charge. So now you're in the realm of taking responsibility. Now, probably by just going through this exercise, you're at a place where you're owning it for yourself. You're looking at the things that you are responsible for and recognizing that because those things are the things that you are responsible for, that now you have an opportunity to make a change, to do it differently, and to think, okay, next time, how could I, for instance, avoid being late? Could I plan on, you know, if I'm, if I'm always planning on being on time, but I'm always 20 minutes late, what if I planned on being half an hour early? What would that do? Just as one example. So that's how you do it within your own uh, mind by looking at each of those things and then being strategic and thinking, okay, what can I do to accommodate that? If you want to take it the next level to actually creating, uh, repairing the connection between you and the other people who are involved in this situation, then the very first thing to do is to see if that person would be willing to actually uh, have a conversation with you. So you might ask, hey, um, I'm wondering if you would be willing to talk for a few minutes about what happened the other day. And notice I said the other day. Again, this isn't always the best or easiest thing to do right in the moment. Um, once you've worked on your ninja communication and trigger recovery skills, then you can get closer and closer to actually doing it right then and there. But 
you know, if it if you had to table it for 24 hours and revisit, then that's better than just sweeping it under the rug. So would you be willing to have a conversation with me? And the person might say no. And they could have any number of reasons for saying no. So I entreat you to not take it personally if they say no. Um, and to just recognize that by discovering your own part in things, that actually gives you a lot of power to change things the next time around. In fact, you can, in many respects, act as if you had the conversation and hold up your end of the bargain. So that's what you do if someone says no. It also does tell you a little bit about that person and their readiness to step into perhaps a more uh, intimate connection with you. And that's good information to have. I wouldn't say that any one situation is make or break, but if over time you find that, let's say, your partner is unwilling to have these conversations with you over and over again, well, then that might be cause for uh, more drastic measures. But let's not go there right now. Let's just see what happens if the person says yes and they are willing to talk to you about it. Well, the next thing that you want to do is to take responsibility for your part to own it, which might sound something like this. Here's me hypothetically talking to Chloe about making us late. I might say, Chloe, so the other day, we were really late for that thing, and I know it caused a lot of stress for me, and judging by how you reacted, I think it caused a lot of stress for you. And on top of that, it caused a, a rift between us. And so I've been thinking a lot about it, and I realized that I really didn't plan adequately to be there on time. And I even see that this is uh, something that happens more than occasionally. In fact, maybe it happens all the time. And uh, so I just want you to know that I see that this is something that I could have done differently. And I'm working on uh, how to shift that for myself. Like for one thing, I think I might start planning to arrive actually half an hour early. And that way, if I'm only 10 minutes early, at least I'm early and not 10 minutes late. Um, and I'm wondering if hearing that, if there are any ways that you um, might think could be helpful for me. And again, that's not required because I'm, I'm working on it. But, you know, I'm willing to enlist your uh, brain power and problem-solving power to help me figure that out. Um, now, you can decide whether or not that second part is required, the enlisting them and helping you. Uh, depending on the dynamic between you and this and your partner or this other person, um, that might not be the most generative thing. It might set up a weird power dynamic. So it might be enough to simply say, hey, like this is my part and here's another piece of my part and here's another piece of my part. And what you want to be really careful about is to 
not name any things that you're taking responsibility for that implicate the other person. So you don't want this to be a, a backhanded, oh, by the way, this is also your fault. You want these to be things that you are cleanly taking responsibility for. So if the other person starts getting defensive because of something you've said, then the odds are that you did somehow rope them in. And actually, even though you thought you were taking responsibility, it's very possible in a situation like that, that you said something that actually implied that they had a part in it. And while that may be true, that's not what the point of this conversation is at this point. It's not to um, get them to show up for their end of things. That's coming later. Right now, you want to be as clean as possible and as clear as possible in identifying the ways that you see that you were uh, on the hook for what happened. And again, depending on the nature of your relationship, at the end of that conversation, you may say something like, and you know, there probably are other things, but that this felt like a lot for me to acknowledge all of, all of these things. And so these are the things that I'm focusing on. Uh, if you generally keep things positive with the other person, then you might say, is there anything that I'm missing? Are there any blind spots that I have? that you could help me see. So that would be an opportunity for the other person to potentially piss you off. But you might also get some good information. You might get some information about ways that you weren't even seeing the situation. So if you do ask for that additional piece of information, I recommend that you remind yourself not to take it personally. That if you feel yourself getting triggered, you handle the trigger and not make it about whatever it is they said. And then you do your best to look for any grains of truth in whatever it is that they said, as hard as it may be to hear or to admit to. Um, see if there's anything there. And at a minimum, you can just say, wow, okay, thank you for letting me know that that's something that you see. And and I may have to really think about that. It's fair enough to request more time to uh, take in a new piece of information. So you don't have to get offended. You can just say, wow, I didn't, I hadn't even thought about that. I'm really going to need to think about it and process it. And let's have a follow up about that. So this is the process of owning it, taking ownership for yourself. Um, notice that in this isn't anything about um, necessarily apologizing. Though if it was something that merits an apology, then you might, you might throw that in. You might say, and I'm really sorry that I didn't plan adequately. That really was irresponsible of me and I'm sorry, just as an example. What I wouldn't suggest that you do is go down the rabbit hole of saying, uh, yeah, I was, I didn't plan and I, like I never plan and this is a big problem that I've had for my entire life and I'm not even sure if I'm ever going to be able to fix it and maybe you can help me, maybe you can't. You just don't even want to go there. 
Um, that's an example of someone who's used to taking the blame going overboard. So don't do that. And likewise, do step up and take responsibility, especially if that's something that's uncomfortable for you and that you don't often do. Now, how do you invite the other person to a conversation about their part? Well, this can happen in one of several ways. The first is that by fully owning your part, you might actually be creating space for them to talk about their part because you're actually creating safety in your conversation. You didn't blame them. You just talked about your part. And you might, you know, wait in the conversation and create some space, create a pregnant pause that gives the other person the opportunity to share about their part. Um, it could be that you segue naturally into that. Um, but generally, you want the other person to volunteer. Wow, well, now that I hear you talking about how you weren't planning, I realize that I saved my um, getting ready for the last minute and I really wasn't ready and I was looking all over for that shirt that I wanted to wear and I could have figured that all out way ahead of time. So that could very well happen. Now, if the other person doesn't just voluntarily start talking about their part, what do you do? Well, one thing you could do is you could just leave it alone and just let it be and see what happens if as you actually respond to the th your own responsibilities, as you start to shift and change, perhaps your partner in this dance will shift and change as well. I see it happen all the time without a conversation. So you may find that the other part of the conversation isn't actually necessary because the change starts to happen. Now, if you want to try inviting the other person to the table, here's how you might go about it. One way would be another would you be willing question. Now that we've talked about all the ways that I was responsible I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share with me any of the ways you feel like you might have been responsible for what happened. Now, that question implies that they have some part in it, and that in and of itself might be enough to trigger them. So your success with that kind of invitation really depends on the level of safety that you have in your connection with this person. So if there's not a lot of safety, then you might not have much luck. But if you have a history of building more and more safety, then it might be worth trying. And if the person does get really defensive or says, well, I didn't have any part. We just, you know, it was all you. Well, then you can say, okay, that's, that's great. You know, I just wasn't sure if our conversation maybe gave you some insights um, from your perspective. I don't actually have an agenda here about your part. Um, this is all about you. Um, but if you're not seeing anything, then okay, that's fine. 
sometimes you really got to swallow your pride there because, of course, you already have that list that you made of all the ways that the other person might have been at least a little bit responsible for whatever occurred. But it's not up to you to deliver that message. And honestly, delivering the message, unless it's asked for, rarely goes over well. I mean, occasionally you can bludgeon someone over the head with the truth and it actually has an impact. They see it in a way that they never saw it before. Um, it's hard to know when the right moment for that is. And I never recommend it as a first, uh, first attempt. Although the odds are that if you're in a blamey kind of relationship, you've probably done that before, tried bludgeoning someone with the truth and it probably hasn't gone over very well. So that's one possibility for how you invite them to the conversation. Another way might be to say something like, are there any ways that you can see that we can collaborate the next time this kind of situation could potentially happen? Are there ways that we could collaborate so that we're working together to prevent whatever happened from happening. So you can see that that's a more subtle way of inviting someone into being more of an active participant in the change. Um, and if you invite them in that way, then it's much safer and it may actually lead to them saying, well, actually, you know what? I could do this differently next time. So it's a bit of a surreptitious way of inviting them to the conversation about their own, their own part in whatever happened. So you have the more direct, would you be willing to have a conversation about your side of things and, or ways you could adjust um, and do things differently? Um, or there's the more subtle, let's have a conversation about how we can collaborate next time um, to keep that from happening. Um, let's help each other succeed. Um, I know I could certainly use your help. So, uh, and it's, it's challenging for someone to refuse an invitation to help. Um, I, I think they've done some social science experiments where um, someone requests help from a stranger and there's something in the human relational dynamic where um, that person wants to be of service in, in some way. And, uh, and the same is definitely true when you're connected with that person, when they're your, your lover, your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend or other friend. Okay. I think that pretty much does it. It sums up all the steps of how you can transform blame into something that's truly positive and connecting in your relationship. I hope this has been helpful for you. I always welcome you to reach out. My email is neilius, N-E-I-L-I-U-S, at neilsatin.com. I can't always reply to the emails that I get, but I do read every single one, and I appreciate hearing from you. Um, sometimes those emails become the topic for a podcast just like this or, uh, or one of my interviews. Um, in the meantime, take care. I will see you next week with Rick Miller, who is going to be talking about what we can learn from same-sex male relationships. That's gay couples. And uh, it's going to be a really fun 
conversation with lots that you can get, whether you're in a gay relationship or in a straight relationship or in a somewhere on the spectrum relationship. Uh, We really cover the gamut. So I invite you to join us next week. And in the meantime, do take care. And if you have a chance, please fill out that survey. I'd love to hear more about you. neilsatin.com slash survey, or you can text the word wondering because I'm wondering about you to the number 33444 to get the link to the anonymous survey. Thanks so much. See you next week.